The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, and all the boat rockers in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and you'll see two videos there on the top. Now, you guys already see it. You know why I don't do it and tell you up front. We are live now, but... When we play this, it'll be pre-recorded, so I don't mess myself up there. But on the left side of the page is Bradley's show on the le- on uh, from the previous day. And on the right side, is, it will be looking a little different, obviously. It'll have probably the Sons of Liberty logo on there. And just click on the play button and blow it up on whatever device you're on, and then click on the Rumble icon, which will be in the lower right-hand corner. Join us in the chat on Rumble. We're streaming live to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. 
Be sure to subscribe to that channel as well. Also, beforeitsnews.com, top of the page, and dlive.tv at The Signs of Liberty. You can also sign up for our daily email um, right up under where we're streaming live. Just enter that in, and you should get your first one this evening. Uh, sometime between 7 and 8 o'clock Eastern usually is when they go out. Also, if you'd like to support us uh, in keeping us out there among the 50 states, on the radio and on Internet, there's a donate button at the top of the page. You can click on that and make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. And then also our store is available. This week we're highlighting Bradley's uh, uh, testimony, his comic book. This is done by former DC Comics artist Danny Bulinati, and uh, it's really high quality. Um, it's normally a donation of $15 this week only through Saturday at midnight. You can get 20% off when you use the promo code COMIC20. That's COMIC and the number 20, all one word, and you'll get 20% off now through Saturday night at midnight. Now, I'll have the highlights from whatever's, you know, whatever we got on the, on the webpage in the archive. I also have bonus videos uh, in addition to the one that I'm going to play right here. Now, this is one that we... Uh, had before that I've shown you, but with the topic that we're going to be covering today, I think it's kind of interesting, to say the least, of what gets said here, and I'm hoping our guest is going to have some comment on this too and what we're going to talk about, because we're going to be talking about the twin scams, uh, 1918 and 2020. We're going to talk about that, but this is a video, March of 2011 from the Pentagon, and I want you to pay attention to what this guy says the flu is, or let me change that. What radiation sickness, what it presents itself like, what does it look like? Um, we're going to let this guy tell us. You ready? Biology Research Institute, which has been leading the Pentagon's quest for a more effective antidote to radiation sickness. The symptoms of acute radiation sickness would be just exactly like a terrible flu. person would have a headache. They would feel very tired. They would have a little bit of a fever. They might have some vomiting at higher doses. All of this would be more severe and it would come on more rapidly. All right, so he basically says the radiation sickness is like a severe flu. That, that sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound familiar? Anyway, to talk about this, we've got back with us the medical rebel, Dr. <laughs> Lee Merritt. Dr. Lee, it's good to see you again. Hey, thanks for having me back. Yeah, yeah. I love that video. Yeah, I, I now what do you think that about video. that? Well, he's exactly right. This is apparently before somebody got to somebody and told him, no, no, don't say that. We're planning this for 2020. You know, don't, don't come out and say that. <laughs> um, because, you know, this goes way back. I, I mean, you can't, I, I, I've been doing a deep dive on 1918. And the three things that are happening in 2020, that, that happened to us in 2020 and 2021, are the things that happened to them back then. I honestly think they just couldn't quite pull it off then because they didn't have the technology we have now. But there are three things that hap are happening to us now. Electromagnetic frequency increase, a bad drug, remdesivir, and a bad vaccine, okay? And there are three things that happened in the pandemic of 1918, which was the pandemic that was not, and that is a bad, a bad use of a drug, which was aspirin at the time, we'll talk about. It was a, a sudden increase in the electrification of the world with telegram lines. And, and the third thing was uh, bad crude vaccines that were given. And it all, I mean, uh, I have a, I got, I don't, I think I told you, I got demonetized. I'm the only person I know that can't do Substack because Stripe won't, won't, de won't monetize me. 
So it's on my website. I'm doing my own kind of self-substack, and it's it's the Medical Rebel uh, research arm. And I have a, a, a nice big article about this with pictures and the whole thing about this thing. But we can talk about some of it because it's really, and, and there's even more. It really continues to amaze me how similar it is. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I was going over some things as well, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, before the show. And I went back to that book, The Invisible Rainbow. And mm -hmm. here's here's what he wrote there. It's really interesting because most people don't know that what we call the flu actually was called Influenza de Sol, which was the influence of the stars. And this is what the author of that book wrote. He said, Influenza is an electrical disease. Suddenly and inexplicably, uh, inexplicably, influenza, whose descriptions had remained consistent for thousands of years, changed its character in 1889. Flu had last seized most of England in November 1847, over half a century earlier. The last flu ep epidemic in the United States had raged in the winter of 1874 to 75, and since ancient times, influenza had been known as a capricious, unpredictable disease, a wild animal that came from nowhere terrorized whole populations at once without warning and without a schedule and disappeared as suddenly and mysteriously as it had arrived, not to be seen again for years or decades. It behaved unlike any other illness, was thought not to be contagious, hmm, and received its name because its comings and goings were said to be governed by the influence of the stars. I'm sure you're familiar with this uh, this particular book. Um, oh, yeah. yeah what, what, what would you say about Yeah. What would you say about yeah. some of the stuff? Yeah, so, you know, first of all, I, I will just say that today's guys that argue for the viral theory of, of transmission of disease, they argue it based on genetic manipulation. They, they argue it on a technical thing. They not, they're not taking a step back and looking at the entire uh, issue here because you have to explain unexplainable things. In other words, your your idea that this that these in, that influenza is is transmitted by an invisible little unicorn that comes out of my mouth to some other person doesn't explain what we saw traditionally, historically. And a, a perfect example is and um as as it was said in the navy in the age of wooden ships and iron men, you know, the we couldn't travel that fast around the world. So what was happening, and we have evidence for this, I'll discuss in a minute, what was happening is there would be simultaneous breaks out, breakouts of influenza, which they hadn't seen in maybe a, a decade or two decades or three decades, but suddenly the whole world would be sick, and it would happen almost simultaneously to the point that nobody, we couldn't travel that fast. So you can't explain that on the basis of viral particles. So then the other thing, and but but it is there. Are, there's a mathematician from Oxford and two astronomers who have put together data individually. Uh, the, I think two of them are together, but one of them is separate. So there've been multiple studies, and even more recently, there's one that claims this is also true about Ebola. That it that these outbreaks were. And by the way, flu was never seasonal until after 1850. So. What we're talking about are spontaneous worldwide outbreaks that happened every few decades and were completely correlated to sun activity. In other words, um, I think sol actually means sun. So what they're, what they're talking about here is when the sun would have a high sunspot flare activity, it, it would suddenly ionize our, our 
atmosphere, our, our ionosphere, I guess, and, and that increased electrification of our world caused people to be sick. Now, that might sound a little crazy until you actually understand that we are electrical beings, that the way you produce energy in the body is that you actually have, a, have an electron transfer chain. The final common pathway of how you turn food into energy is moving around electrons. Well, if you suddenly are in an electrical field, that doesn't happen as well. And there's a lot, I mean, there's, there's a ton of evidence about that. People are not looking at it because they don't want to look. I mean, that's, you're, you're, you know, they want this, the, the viral theory of disease supports the, the pharmaceutical industry. If you really understood what was going on, all you would do is you'd, you'd burn down the 5G towers. Because that is, here's the, here's the issue. What, what happened in 1850s is we started laying down telegram lines. And telegram and the telegram lines ran along the railroads, and they started having descriptions of people all over the world with what was then dubbed first dubbed as neurasthenia in about 1867. They called it neurasthenia, but it became known as telegrapher's disease because it it followed the telegram lines. And why was that? Because you were taking people from an area that had no electrification, no electrical uh, anything. And suddenly put them in an area where they were constantly surrounded by all this copper wire that was tapping out, uh, and they were tapping out a the, a good telegrapher. I think did it. If I remember the numbers right, taps out the you know Morse code at a rate of seven point six two six hertz, I believe. But but the the hum of the earth is seven point eight three hertz. That's the Schumann resonance. That's what we were designed to be in. And we're used to. It, and the body responds to rate of change. That's Cannon's Law of the Body, which they used to teach us years ago in medical school. So, you know, you, you respond to rate of change. So what happens is when you're suddenly thrown into these this situation, your body starts having symptoms. And the symptoms are like nervousness, tachycardia, arrhythmias, headaches. Um, uh, even paralysis was reported by a doctor over in France. Local paralysis, not not big stuff, but just they weren't able to coordinate the fingers and write their name and things like this. And in fact, this was such a big deal that in 1907, the telegraphing uh, the telegraph telegraphers in Toronto, Canada, staged a walkout for better better working conditions because they were getting sick. Now, interestingly, I haven't been able to completely run this down, but I was told by someone in um, in the know, and I can't remember, it was like an engineer or somebody, that the way they solved the problem, partially, is they twisted the wires. They put a certain twist over a length, and that that stopped the, the problem for the most part. Now, it didn't completely stop it, because this is how we get to the, to the scam of 1918. There's a bunch of stuff to say about it, but one of the things that was noted by doctors is, the people that were dying, the young troops that were dying, and let me just start out by saying, having I've been, I've spent the good part of six months and the last six weeks seriously delving into this. And when I, in, and one of the things I've been doing is looking at news archives. And when you add up the numbers in the news archives, it is just like coronavirus or COVID today, where you know the guy on the motorcycle dies and they call it COVID. Yep. There, there is not the numbers that they're claiming. It just isn't Boston that was a, that it was considered the third biggest city for this outbreak in 1918 had 5,000 deaths. 
That was the third biggest city. And keep in mind, we didn't have a huge Los Angeles then. We didn't have a huge, we didn't have the number of cities we have now. We were, our population was more Eastern and Central. So we, uh, to say that Boston was the third biggest city in 5,000, there's no way that gets us to 500,000. The other thing you notice is when you go through the newspapers year to year, you find that the numbers accelerate, they are amplify. You you know what they worldwide it was first said to be a million, and now we're up to over a, we're up to a hundred million just on news reports. You know it keeps getting bigger. It's a story. It's like the whispering game. We're keeping in, enlarging it, but there's a reason for that because they really want you to believe it was a communicable disease. And and you know back then they really tried. Unlike today, they really tried to check to to prove that it was communicable, and they couldn't do that. But the people down, but what happened is the doctors noticed that it wasn't the, the scrawny city kids in Fort Riley, Kansas that were getting sick and dying. It was these big, burly, uh, you know, farm kids that were in great shape when they showed up. Now, why would that be? Well, because the city kids, who might look a little sickly because they'd been living the city lifestyle, but they had been in a city that had been electrified. They had wires all over cities. I've got pictures of like like Boston, where it was just horrible. I mean, the wires are everywhere. New York City, everywhere. So when those guys showed up down at Fort Riley and sat under those telegram lines, that was probably less irradiation than they were getting in New York. But for these farm kids from Tennessee, you know, they, they weren't used to it, and they got sick. Now, it wasn't the radiation, though, that killed them, because... In, in telegrapher's disease, when you looked at the people and people with, quote, neurasthenia that was described actually first in Boston in 1867, the, one of the things the doctors noted about them is they tended to, to, to live a long life, even maybe a little longer than average, but they were just miserable. You know, they were depressed and they had all these symptoms. Well, so that doesn't explain what really happened in 1918. And the first clue about that I got was uh, Dr. McBean's book that was published in the 90s. She was a young child in 1918, and she and her family um, took care of the, the ill. And they were, they were religious people and didn't believe in vaccines. And many of their church members also helped. So they had, there were a number of people that were not vaccinated in amongst all these sick and dying people. And they didn't even get, a, as she said, we didn't even get a sniffle. Now, I'm going to tell you the creepy part here, okay? And and I and and this is this this is I went back and I said, what? How did they administer these vaccines? Where did they come from? What was going on? Well, here's here's what I discovered. So there was a guy. This guy's name's Frederick Gates, and um, Gates. Uh, and and a lot of people have said that's the grandfather of Bill Gates. I I don't believe that's true. Okay, but who? But he might be a, a it might be a relative, it might be his great uncle or something. It's very hard. This is one of those things. They, there's not one photograph that I can find online of Frederick Gates, which is kind of unusual considering his accolades and things he did. And it's also that he uh, he uh, he might have been bumped off later. But anyway, Doctor Frederick Gates. Um, was when he was a kid, he was accepted to all these Ivy League schools, but he began his education at the University of Chicago. And then he transferred to Yale, where he was awarded the Andrew D. White Award. And White, by, I'm, just, I'm just saying this to give you a feel for what's going on here. He was a member of the Order of Skull and Bones. Ah. So this guy, wins, he wins the Skull and Bones-based award. He subsequently went to Johns Hopkins Medical School and in 1913 graduated. So he's now a medical doctor. In 1917, when America entered the war, he volunteered to be an Army medical officer. So he was commissioned as a first lieutenant. Now, 
I, you know, I came out of medical school and I was commissioned as a lieutenant, which in the, is the same as a first lieutenant in the Army. I was in the Navy. And, and, you know, you go off to further training and then you go off, you know, I did my internship and it took a long time to go to any kind of, uh, you know, big place. Well, this guy, the minute he's, he's commissioned, he goes to his assignment on the Rockefeller Institute staff. Nice. Now, nice. Now, how did that happen? Well, it turns out that Frederick Taylor Gates, his father, was a personal assistant to John D. Rockefeller. And Gates, the elder here, is credited with the Rockefellers getting involved in organized medicine. It turned out that we shouldn't condemn maybe John D. quite as much because he himself believed in folk medicine. But he listened to his experts, and Gates convinced him that he could have the greatest impact if he modernized medicine by reforming education. Now, we, in, we who are rebels of classic uh, medicine these days, we kind of cite that as a turning point for American medicine. In 1905, we had the Flexner Report, which kind of codified how we should make education better. And by the way, I found out just the other day, Flexner was a vaccine, vaccine researcher, too. So Interesting. This, it, yeah, it looks like medicine was reformed for the vaccine guys, okay? So can, we got rid of Can I ask you something at this yeah. point? Yeah. What, with what you've seen there, do you see that, because you're saying here was Rockefeller, and Cates talked about this too, that he was a guy who believed in the, the regular herbal kind of medicines, good nutrition and stuff like this beforehand, but apparently he saw either influence or money in his eyeballs, uh, and he went this way. So... Would you say the people who started treating the quote-unquote Spanish flu, uh, that they knew exactly what was causing it, but they weren't willing to help the people because there's lots of money to be made through vaccines? No, I don't think that was. I don't think it was that evident. Okay. Okay. I think what happened is I think you had people planted. Okay, and this is my point about Gates. So when Gates, so so the senior father Gates was involved in setting up this research arm. He set up the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research and he designed the Rockefeller Foundation and he became a trustee in 1913. This is Gates's, Dr. Gates's father. Now, it, the, here's what it says in a memorial biography to Fed, Frederick Gates, the doctor. It said he gave lectures to military groups at the, at the Rockefeller Institute and was also assigned to visit training camps in the interest of preventive medicine. Now, what they don't mention is that he had to be at Fort Riley, Kansas, as a primary investigator on the vaccine program. And the reason is because in 1918, he had a sole, he was the sole author on the paper that, that described what, what these vaccines were about. So here's what, here's, here's the, the, the sequence of events where, you know, and by the way, the pandemic of 1918, which they call the Spanish flu, that didn't start in Spain. It started in America and really in Kansas around right. Fort Riley, the, the army base. Okay, so the first thing that happened, coincidentally with him coming into the service, they started an army medical school in Fort Riley, Kansas. Hmm, okay. And shortly thereafter, 525 cases of typhoid fever occurred in Kansas. Now, I'm going to just say this. I, I don't mean to sound too um, suspicious. However, one of the things that we know from our recent foray into the Ukrainian bioweapons labs is that every time we seem to get one of those online, there were these weird diseases that broke out around it that affected the locals. Um, hantavirus was one of them that broke out around one of these labs in the Ukraine. And um, another one was, uh, well, that's where we got Crimean hemorrhagic fever. That had never been seen before. So 
so when we set up this Army Medical School, I've got to be a little bit concerned that there was some relation to the 525 cases of typhoid fever that occurred. Well, at that point, the, the State Board of Health gave 9,000, quote, free shots. And three months later, an outbreak of meningitis occurred. Now, at that, the Navy and, the, and, and so if the, that's the, I have the record of the Kansas State giving those shots, but that means probably the, the military were also given vaccines for this. So three months after this outbreak, there's an outbreak of meningitis. And, and, and between the Navy personnel and the Army personnel, about 38% of their people were affected overall. Now, you don't see meningi meningitis. The, when we have outbreaks of meningitis, in fact, we haven't had an outbreak more than nine people in decades. It, you have to go way back to find more than nine people in an yeah. outbreak. It's just, it, people, it's a scary d diagnosis, and I remember somebody getting a meningitis, when, you know, and then everybody in the school is all scared about it, but we never saw a case, and when it happens, it's one guy, and nobody else seems to get it, or there's one or two, and nobody else seems to get it, so... 40%, there's something, there's something wrong there to begin with. And then the response again was to administer more crude homemade meningitis vaccines. And this began in January of 1918 and ended in March of 1918. And if you read how these things were done, and Gates' paper tells you exactly how these said. He said the vaccine used was made in the laboratory of the Rockefeller Institute. 16-hour growths on 1% glucose agar in Blake bottles. In other words, they were making it up, and they said, they said uh, they were, the vaccines were begun with the injection of 500 million cocci. And then this dose was increased successively, blah, 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 blah. And then, they, and then about, half of the dose, about half of those vaccinated uh, were given a final injection of only 4 million, because, 4 million cocci because of several fairly severe reactions from the larger dose among medical officers at Fort Riley. So anyway, we get all these, we get this crude homemade vaccine, essentially. I mean, it was made at the Rockefeller Institute, but this is really primitive compared to today. And at the same time that these were being vaccinated, the schools in Kansas for the first time seriously mandated vaccines for attendance. That didn't happen. And they tried it in 1904. You can go back in the newspapers and you see they tried it before nobody would buy it. But suddenly they got these diseases to break out and now everybody's scared and they started doing it. So we vaccinate the school children, we vaccinate the military and other people are coerced or interested to get it because they offered it to everybody. So in October, they get the shots. October and November of 17, meningitis breaks out. And in January, they vaccinate everybody. And then one month later, in March of 1918, we start having, quote, scarlet fever epidemics that were reported by five, five counties, four counties in Kansas. And then, also in March of 1918, there was a Native American Haskell Institute that was 95 miles from Fort Riley. And 47 or 457 of the children were ill with a disease they called streptogrip. In other words, it's exactly what's happening. It's these upper respiratory pulmonic uh, diseases. And five students died. Now, if it's anything like today, they purposely are targeting the Native Americans. You know, that was one of the first groups to get their vaccines in Canada were the first peoples. And I suspect it's the same in America where they went to the, because it's government healthcare systems. They went to the, vet, the VA, the veterans, and they pushed them on them, and they pushed them at the, at the health service, you know. So um, anyway, but, but still, by September, this disease was not front page news. And I will just tell you that 
the numbers, like I say, the numbers didn't make sense, and we're going to talk a minute about that when I get done with this time course. But anyway, they were more worried by September of 1918 on wheat shortages, anti-German discrimination, and conscientious ob objectors to the war. That was the big talks in the newspaper. And when I did back, go back and find any of these articles, it's really like back page stuff. Even in 1920, when they're trying to convince you it was a terrible pandemic, those articles are all on the back page with the lingerie sales and eyeglasses and church news. It's not big front page stuff. And I'm going to tell my family uh, who lived through the pandemic of 1918, my grandparents who were born in the 1880s, they were 30s in the 1918. They were great storytellers. My granddad was a barnyard musician and told me about, you know, Aunt Delia falling in the cistern and all these country stories about the <laughs> wagons breaking down. And I'm not kidding you. And my dad was a great storyteller. And he became, my dad became, he was 13 at the time of the great, the, the non-pandemic here. He was in bed with osteomyelitis and he didn't, and so that might have focused him a little bit. He, he became a dentist, a physician, and had a PhD in biochemistry, taught at Harvard, did research. Not one peep about the great pandemic of 1918 that he lived through to me. And he taught me everything else about everything, you know, how disease, you know, he taught me all sorts of stuff and, and not that. So it's a little odd. But in any way, by 1918, now we had 300 cases in October of what's being called influenza. That was the first time. So end of March, all the vaccines are done. And on 1918, all these cases. But it only, the, in Governor Capper was his name. He issued a statewide closing order, effective for a week, and he to halt the influenza epidemic. 9,000 cases, or 7,000 cases had been reported statewide. But most of the deaths, I'm going to tell you, were in the Fort Riley area. And it doesn't still, it doesn't tell you the, it doesn't explain you know what happened. So the State Board of Health only did the closing order for a, like a week or two and then they lifted it on, on 2nd of November. So it is a very, when you look at a graph of this, there's a very acute time course. Just like, you know, what's happening, look at the, look at the, look at the death curve after vaccination of this one. Look at Craig Partick Cooper's uh, data about lots and toxicity and you'll see deaths peak there's a peak right after the vaccine and then there's a peak you know a few months later you know five six months later yep. i think it is and then it goes away okay and then now we're seeing late effects but the point i'm making is it just sounds very very similar now here's here's the other um interesting thing that there's you know i i don't know how to, how to make this but the point is we've had a lot of doctors die unexpectedly because they were involved in, like Dr. Mary Sherman, who I know about because she was one of the first female orthopedic surgeons in America. But anyway, she was involved in squealing about SV40 and the polio vaccine, right? She worked for Oxner down in Louisiana, and she uh, was found dead and mutilated in a CT scanner. Um, but Dr. That's Frederick not Gates, unusual, is it? No, that happens to all of us, you know. Dr. Frederick Gates, after the war, and his, after his father was deceased, he moved to Boston, he was at Harvard, and he managed to die pretty young. He was like 42 or something, died from a blow to the head. So I'm just saying, in less polite circles, that might be suspected as cutting your trail. You know, I think, I think this is a, there's a long-term, uh, this, this is just, this was like, I feel like we're living through 1918 redux. 
So and, oh, and, and I'll tell you another. This is you, this you won't believe this one. Yeah, go ahead. You've seen you've probably seen. Um, this is pretty. You've seen probably these collages of the talking heads that you know all these news programs, yep. and they, and you think they're independent because they're these little channels yeah. in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> you know, and they're these news that you think's independent, and they're all talking about how we're so concerned about that that's dangerous to our democracy, you know. Well, they're right. We don't have a democracy. It's dangerous to mob rule. So that's, that's right. The right way. Yeah, that's right. I love it when they say that. But they all talk in unison, literally not only the same words, but the same pauses. So put them all together and you've heard that collage. They sound like a Greek chorus. I thought that was only happening today because of the digital world and that all that we were, were made to believe that it's because, you know, BlackRock and Vanguard and all these companies are buying up all the news. So they own them all. Let me tell you, I searched I, now that we can do optical character recognition and you can search old newspapers digitally, when you do that, you find out exactly the same thing was happening back then. In 1918, very few articles about any of this, okay? They started writing articles in 1920 to tell everybody how scary this was and what was going on and blah, 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 blah. And these articles, even, you know, from the, the I, I always make these names up, but like it's the Racing Raccoon and the Colorado Cucumber and all these little town papers, right? You don't, you know, there's the, and this is the, the age of linotypes. So this is also verification that these haven't been planted later in life. They, they had different, they were typing in these, these articles by, by hand, so they had different typos, but they were identical, word-for-word -word articles all over the newspaper. I found 25 of, right away, boom, all the same. Within a few, and the, because you'd search by date and they come up, uh, you know, chronologically, I started noticing the highlights. They, sh they highlight the words you've searched for. And I said, wait a minute, you know, they, you see the pattern, it's all the same. And then you start reading the article, it's all the same words. What's going on here? Well, Dr. Merritt, uh, that, that <laughs> reminds me, you know, it was, about, it was about two years ago or so when you would go into Google and you would search there and you'd put in any number that you wanted to and you'd say COVID or something. I forget what it was. I did a show on it one time and I did it live on the air and I showed and it didn't matter what number you put up. A headline would come up with that number and, and COVID and it wouldn't just be one. It would be like a whole list of them. So the question I have is, do you think they were using the telegraph to transmit the the text of whatever they wrote? Were they transmitting it out to other other places and they were just picking it up and making it their own? Well, keep in mind, these are articles that are written by somebody in a central area. I don't think these didn't come from Fort Riley. This is two years after the fact. Now you're talking about, quote, researchers, the Rockefeller Institute and, you know, different uh, universities and people, medical doctors talking about it from someplace, the military medicine in D.C., whatever. Because keep in mind, they sent out William Welch, who was a famous doctor at the time at Johns Hopkins, and Johns Hopkins again shows up. Johns Hopkins, you know, was part of uh, Event 201. Johns Hopkins seems to be central. It, it, its name pops up a lot. Um, so, but in any case, they, they, they sent him out. They sent doctors from the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology out to study this stuff out in, in Fort Riley, Kansas. And so there was a lot of interest in it. And there's still interest because people believe this was a huge outbreak. It really looks to me like it was actually a small it was it was it was confined to cities primarily cities and um and and certain then people like 
Indi the Indian population. They there was an article I found about the uh, Seminoles down in Florida, and it had it had like the whole band. They said the whole band had been affected except Aunt Minnie or something. I mean, it was like so you had reservations, you had military people, and you had some people in the cities that got it because probably they were taking these crude vaccines. I can't completely prove that, but it just those are the people that we're seeing today. Also, is that it's people that are not able to escape the vaccine program. Yeah. Now, back then, a lot more people escaped. And I'm going to tell you, it just doesn't look like the numbers justify this. I, had, I gave a talk uh, the other day at the Liberty Pastors, and I, I, I talked a little bit about this. And I, I asked them, I said, and there are about 350, I'm going to guess, or more people in the audience. And I said, I, I told them what I found. I said, here's my question to you. If you have any family story about this, where you were told that somebody died in the great pandemic of 1918, would you come talk to me? Um, because, I and, I and if you don't come, I'm going to assume you don't have that. I really want to hear from you. So anyway, I had one woman come up to me and tell me, and actually she comes from a family you would know, a famous family actually. And uh, she, but she said there was a, she said, I was told when I was a kid that, you know, great aunt, somebody or other died. Uh, but when I researched it, she had actually died in 1915. So essentially, nobody in that audience could produce a story. It it wasn't something like that was passed down. I mean, how many times, how many stories have you heard about, I mean, and I do have, even though I did not come from a big long line of military, I do have stories that were passed down about, you know, so-and-so being in the war, you know, things like that. It wasn't that you don't get stories from that time period. It's you don't get stories about this. So... You know, I, I don't think, I think that it was, it was, it fizzled out. It didn't do as much damage as they wanted, but they, they worked at it. And if you look at, by the way, the another thing that Dr. Furstenberg says in his book, and I got to tell you, if anybody hasn't read his book um, by Arthur Furstenberg, The Invisible Rainbow, it is so well researched. Yes, it is. I mean, it's really good. He must have spent years on this. And I, I, you know, I, I had an email from him not long ago, but I, that, you know, I think he's, he himself was a, by the way, a victim of, of electrical symptoms. That's how he got interested. A lot of times the best research in medicine comes from people. Sure. I always say, trust the doctor has your disease. They know everything about it, man. Yep. They've, they've studied it. That's right. And that's, that's what I think happened. So, but he really is a good researcher. I mean, he really puts this out. And um, it, it, you know, every one of these, like H1N1, every time we've had a recent flu, pan, you know, not necessarily pandemic, but a big bump in the numbers, uh, the winter flu, it, it turns out to be, you know, something happened. Like that was the year, that was the year we had cell phones every, in everybody's hand, you know, and nobody, and it takes a while to adapt to it. Yeah. Now, here's my, here was my question about this whole thing. And I had breakfast one time. At actually, um, after a, me a meeting we were all at, and I asked Larry Polevsky, I said, okay, I've come around to your guys' idea that there are no viruses, that we're just dealing with toxins and EMF and parasites and bacteria maybe. But what is, what, what, do, what explains the winter flu season? What are we dying from? If we're not, you know, if every year we're having this, what's, what's causing that? Because you can't tell me, sunspots don't happen every year. So what's giving us the bump in death? And then he, he, he explained it to me and I researched further about it has to do with our bodies actually, which they never teach us and they never tell you, 
are like, your cells are like little batteries. The water in all your cells has to be charged. It causes, it, it causes what, doc, there's a doctor in Washington uh, University that, that really developed this concept. He calls it the exclusionary zone. And there's, there's, an, there's an electrical gradient that happens in all your cells. So think of yourself like a battery, and you are like a solar-charged battery. And so in the summer, you go out, and you're in the sun, you're working outside. And even though you may not have enough sunlight in the northern climate to get enough vitamin D, don't depend on it for that, but it does charge your batteries. So you get out, you get all this, this energy, and you can then, you can farm, okay? This is when you can be out and work longer hours and you can do all these things. But the problem is, and I tell you some of the healthiest people still I know are people that live the old way, the farmers. Absolutely, still, absolutely. They live by the sun cycle, okay? Now the problem is, and there's a, a, you know lots of uh, literature like T.S. Wiley has a great book called Lights Out. The problem is in the winter, when our ancestors would have been in bed, we're up getting ready for Christmas parties and our kids coming home from college and we're doing all these things and we're staying up using energy as if we were charging ourselves like we do in the summer and we're not. So the reason we are getting sick is that there's an energy differential. There's a gradient. Mm. Input, output. We are, yeah. we are stressing ourselves and we're getting inflamed because we got too much input and not enough, I mean, too much output, not enough input of energy. Well, in addition to that, though, when you go into the winter months, we have something different than we used to have then. The guys went to bed because it was dark, and if you can stay up, right. it's just going to be a little candlelight or a firelight or something like that. Now we've got electricity, so you've got that humming in your house all the time. Um, you, you've got your Wi-Fi going because you're up on your tablet or you're watching your television or whatever you're doing. So you've you got do. all that. I'm all hardwired. I, yeah. don't, I don't have Wi-Fi anymore. <laughs> but, but you understand what I'm saying. I mean, there's a lot of people that have yeah. that. And they're no. indoors more than they in, in the winter time usually than they are outdoors. The, especially in the cities, because they're not farmers. They they don't right. I, again, I've said this many times on the air. I've watched an interview, and they were interviewing some lady in the in the grocery store in New York, and they said, "So where did the potatoes come from?" And she goes. Well, they're just here in the grocery store. She has no concept of that they get oh, grown in the ground and farmed and things. I mean, it's really a sad thing, but they, they've grown used to living like that. I mean, they're really putting themselves in a cage, so to speak, uh, at the, yeah. you know, to, to be a slave to things of their ignorance. So let me go, let's go back and ask a question here. Rockefeller comes in, introduces this modern medicine kind of thing, this, I guess, the allopathic medicine kind of issue. Right. Why, what, what gets in somebody's mind to say, let's create something to shoot into somebody's body to make them well? And how do they come to the conclusion that, well, if I put this, this rubbish here and there and I stick this other rubbish in here and I mix it with something that I think is good, this is going to be effect. Can you give us some kind of understanding yeah, yeah. as to what's going on in people's minds? Well, right. Now, see, this, things don't start de novo. I mean, it's not like Frederick Gates, the elder, suddenly said, hey, um, let's, let's, let's take away uh, homeopathy and naturopathy, and let's just corral all these doctors into one training program so we can pervert the science and kill people. I, you know, he, actually, he might have thought that, but I don't think it, it started with him. I, even if he did think that, it's, it's, there's a group of people <laughs> I mean, it sounds crazy, but I've decided it's okay to sound crazy now. 
um, there's a, there's a group of people with occult knowledge. And occult, you know, when we think of the occult, the occult doesn't mean, you know, guys in black robes running around with Ouija boards or, you know, weird practices. It means hidden. Occult just means hidden. In yep. medicine, we, we talk They're about Gnostics. It, like, uh, the occult tumors. You know, tumors we didn't recognize or know that were there. They were occult. Well, it just means hidden. So uh, un unlike most of us that are just normal people that want to raise our families, do our job, you know, have enough to eat and and be, you know, comfortable. There are people that have inherited knowledge throughout the, the millennia that know more than we do. They know what's going on. They know something about the world that we don't know. And they, you know, go back to Plato. Plato, it's about the depopulation thing. Even in the works of Plato, he talked about the risk of too many people on the earth, that there were too many people at the time. And this is ancient Greece. There weren't that many people, okay? But tyrants, the people that have been ruling the world, I believe, the same people that ruled the world in ancient Greece are ruling the world now. The kings just put on banker's suits. They, they took off their crowns. They hide in big business. They, you know, we have a world that's run by a few people. And that was, you know, in 19, uh, when was it? Nine, I mean, 2011, a guy named Gladfelter, he and his crew in, in Switzerland, he's an economist. And this is when supercomputers were available to researchers. And he basically did a research project. And he said that um, they put in all the corporate data from around the world that was public stuff and they discovered that of the 37 I think million corporations in the world it all boils down to 147 companies and those are basically controlled by um, four big funds 10 banks who are controlled by four big funds and those big funds now this is this is actually uh, Forbes figured this out uh, the guy at the four, the ten banks, and then somebody else on Wall Street said, if you look at those ten banks, they're actually run by four hedge funds, and those funds are controlled by essentially 150 men. Apparently, women need not apply. So, you know, when we hear from John Coleman, the Committee of 300, um, that chooses our presidents, you know, I believe it. It's it doesn't make sense. What we are, what we've believe, we've just found out now about corruption that it was just Dominion servers now doesn't explain why most of our presidents are related to each other. If you look in Burke's peerage, I mean, I think Al Gore is a direct descendant from Charlemagne. It's something like that. I mean, there are a bunch of people. They're all related. We have a bloodline. It really is what Fred Spring Springhour talks about. There are bloodlines that have ruled the world since time immemorial. They appear differently over time, but they're, and, and, you know, they know they can't get away with being kings and, and that kind of thing. So now they, they convince us we're free. And we're not slaves, but we are tax slaves now. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, that's, that's the same people that are bringing us this. And then when Klaus Schwab says there's going to be a new, the uh, fourth revolution, his people were involved in the third revolution, okay? And the second revolution, and the first revolution. You know, in other words, you go back in time, the same people. I'll tell you... Did we? I don't know if we talked about this, but this is actually biblical. But it, but it actually goes back. It also is biblical. Yeah, you were talking about the Amalekites, I think. Yeah, the Amalekites. Okay, so it's the same. You know, they they were they they moved from the Negev when they were escaped from from King Saul. They moved to eastern Turkey in an area called Phrygia. Well, what's the Phrygian hat? The Phrygian hat was a symbol of revolution of the French Revolution. 
I would contend the same people that bring you these revolutions, that bring you this stuff, it's the same families and they have long memories and they've been pushing depopulation for a long time. So, um, you know, that's why, that's why it, 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 doesn't, it didn't burst. And the idea of you have to puncture the skin, I think they've known that for a long time too. I think this has been tried, like for example, just in more recent times, in the 20th century when we had sophisticated bioweapons programs, it seems to me, looking at these things over the last 20 some years, um, it seems to me that the, the, both the Russians and we were working with pathogens that we tried to make airborne. You know, think of the Reston monkey house and think of uh, this stuff in Africa that they tried, you know, they, they tried to, to they, they, they were working on air, and aerosolization. You know, uh, Ken Albeck talks about this. In the, the, he was the second number two guy at Biopreparat in the Soviet Union, or Biopreparat, however they pronounce it. And he talks about their, 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 they tried to aerosolize anthrax. They tried to aerosolize tularemia. They tried to aerosolize a bunch of things. But lately, in the last decade or so, you notice that the trend has been not to think about that kind of a weapon, but to worry about arthropod vector-borne disease. And now we have Gates artificial mosquitoes. They, I think they've realized that they've, they've tried. Now they had modern genetics. They still couldn't make it work to aerosolize diseases. To make that kill enough people, you have to inject it. And now we'll try insects. I think that's their next play. Now, or they just go to the 5G weaponry. You know, but it, clearly the, we are, it's true. We are wonderfully made and we have an immune system that really works. The only way you take out our immune system is injecting us. Hmm. And, and that's where, 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 where Brian Artis's point about the snake venom, okay? Hmm. Yep. There is, I don't believe it's in the water supply because that's the point. It has to be injected. It could be in this vaccine. It could, you know, well, who knows? There's all sorts of stuff in this vaccine, and not all vaccines are the same. So that's a complete scam illegal, immoral, horrible situation. And people need to, if, not, if they don't believe us about what's, if they don't, they, they say, well, I don't believe in those guys saying about graphene oxide. And I don't believe these guys with a snake venom over here. But the point you should look at is, look, why would Pfizer try to hide their data? Why don't they actually give you the analysis? Why is nobody, so the, 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 the analysis that's being done independently raises all these questions. And just because it's not official, everybody doesn't want to believe it. But all over the world, people are coming up with kind of similar things they're finding in here. So I think that they, I think there could be some kind of venom in, in the vaccines. That's possible. I don't believe it's that they are, I don't believe they told us anything that's actually in there correctly. I mean, there are genetic researchers that now are saying, uh, that open reading frame that's supposed to, to supply the spike protein by, by having the, you know, an open, you know, the way you make proteins in the body is you're, you take RNA, your, your, your DNA creates RNA, and it goes out and it has a program. And just like a sentence, it has a starting, like a capital letter, and it has a period. And then your ribosome will make a protein based on that sentence. So it click, click, clicks off, and it says if this sentence is supposed to make uh, hyaluronic acid, or, hyal or, or that's probably not a good example, but uh, I'm an orthopod, and that's in cartilage, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, myelin, you know, then it's going to click off and make that protein, okay? 
Well, they claim it's going to make the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2, but what these researchers found is that they don't just have a start one start and stop codon. Hidden within that big long frame are 13 little frames. And those 13 little frames make things like a mutant measles virus, well, a mutant measles genetic sequence, um, some hypothetical proteins are coded. I mean, a bunch of stuff that shouldn't be there. Guided mRNA in there that guides to our chromosomes. So, no, it looks like a Trojan horse more than it looks like an actual RNA to produce things. So I'm just going to tell you, we don't know what's in the vaccine, but I think they've determined this was, look at the beauty of this. This is the best way they could have done it. They make you scared about a disease that, that probably, again, was not airborne, doesn't have to be airborne, could have been contact. Makes sense as a contact pathogen. Doesn't make sense as an airborne disease. If this thing had been this contagious and this deadly, it would not have stopped at Wuhan, right? It didn't really go anyplace else in China, and yet they didn't shut down their air planes for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't it go anyplace else? Okay, it went well, yeah. to Lombardy, Italy. Why didn't it go all over Italy? Well this it, that's that's New some York. of the Yeah, that's some of the question you know, I'd I'd like to to go a little further with that. I mean we're almost out of time. I don't know if you can stay or not. We're doing yeah. things a little early. But um that's that's kind of where I want to ask some question there. Now you I just want to bring this up and I don't know if I brought it up with you or if I brought it up with somebody else, but when we had Dr. Madey on and I think I did bring this up last time with you they did a check on the, the COVID-19 kids shot, right? And they were checking for frequencies. And this was the list that she sent me. This was all of the different frequencies of different things that they had in the COVID-19 kids shot, okay, um, that was given. And some of these are clearly stated as weaponized wart virus, weaponized nano aeros, whatever that is, aerosac. I guess I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> weaponized hepatitis virus, weaponizes candida yeast, weaponized microfungi, weaponized retrovirus, and then the list goes on. And then you've got all this other crap that they're throwing in there. It's I, I got to tell you, it's almost like somebody's got a witch's brew down there and says, oh, well, we haven't tried this before. Let's throw some of that in. Let's see if we can get some of this in the system. And then you bring yeah. up something that I want to ask you on the other side because we're almost out of time uh, for the radio show. So, people, you can find us at sonsoflibertymedia.com, uh, top of the page there, beforeitsnews.com or dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty. But, you know, with all of this stuff going on, what I want to ask you when we come back after we close out the show is about these these mosquitoes that have been unleashed in Florida and, right. and that, that Gates wants to do. And, and I want to ask you... What are your thoughts on that? Because you kind of touched on it. But if you will, tell people where they can find out more about you before we close out the show. Sure. Well, uh, I'm at themedicalrebel.com. Three words, themedicalrebel.com. Yeah, you can see my monkeypox response there. <laughs> it has begun. Uh, and, um, and, if, and I apologize because I'm having a little bit of sight issues with, with uh, but you can get everywhere. It's just not as easy as I'd like to make it. Hmm. But, but if you go in there, I do have my, my personal substack kind of, uh, research and I've got the it's called the great DNA war against humanity and okay. this is this was part we, I'm I'm done three parts so you can join that okay. we help it, it helps fight the war effort so okay thank you. all right yeah go and support Dr. Lee at Dr. Lee Merritt or the rebel the medical rebel.com and catch Bradley at three he'll be there hopefully I guess <laughs> and then we'll be back with you in the morning 6 a.m. bright and early Lord willing talk to you then Okay, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And so I want to, I want to throw that question at you first about the mosquitoes because 
When I put that out, which was last year or something, they were releasing them, somebody also wrote me from Florida and said, Tim, this isn't the first time they've done this. They did this like several years ago. Do you see this sort of nanotechnology coming alongside this to where they're just going to be those, you know, I'm... Look, I, I have a different interpretation people have of Revelation, uh, and I'm working through those things. But, you know, I see in there where there are these scorpions that sting. They're allowed to sting men, but they can't die. And I'm not referencing that. I'm not doing a Hal Lindsey kind of thing with that. But what I'm saying is, do you think there's things that they're going to use on people without their consent? I mean, they're already out in the open sort of giving people these shots any, anywhere and everywhere you can go, from strip clubs to the pharmacy to the Walmart or wherever you go, they'll give them without con, without consent, uh, informed consent anyway. Do you see that as, as where they're trying to go with all this? Because they're talking about lettuce and stuff, too, putting it oh, in yeah. there. Oh, yeah, and tomatoes. Uh, I think it's Daniel Garza. I can't remember his name. Something like that. In Mexico, it's got a plot, and they've got 70 different vaccines they're working at to put into vegetables so your child won't need needles you know and the spike protein is in the tomato plant i think so yeah they've got it's it's horrible and i do think you know i remember uh, when that came out and i when you brought that out about the mosquitoes and bill gates and i at the time when i first heard about it quite a while ago i thought well you know they're just trying to screw with the uh agriculture and you know it's going it's to be another japanese beetle debacle every time they try and you know stop one problem with another problem they make a bigger problem so i but now i realize it's much more it's much more de devastating because yes i mean we know again that's just, this is why the bioweaponeers in the last decade have been working on arthropod based uh diseases and they by putting them in in, in insects and delivering them to us. Now, so far, I don't see any outbreaks from that. But again, how would you know? Because if we can't even, if the doctors and the, the, the researchers can't see the association of the vaccine with all these athletes dropping over on the TV, they're certainly not going to pick up that in Gainesville, Florida, there was a little cluster of uh, you know, Ebola, or not Ebola, but uh, HIV or something, uh, Zika virus or something, and it was just a fluke. You know, in other words, they're not going to pick up that these insects are actually having an effect until it's so obvious we're dropping on the street, I, I think. I think they're just, they're either purposely brain dead or just brain dead. And uh, I do think that this is, a, this is an issue. Now, then we get into this whole, there is a, there is a whole spiritual aspect of this, in, and it's like, I didn't, con you know, it's one thing when I consent to have you give me this poison, the, but it's not the same when you give it to me and I had no knowledge or choice. It just yeah. rained on me. Yeah. Okay. And I have to say, you know, that's, I don't, right now, I don't see people getting ill without cause. Do you know what I mean? If it were in our food supply or things, I think we'd see more of the completely unexplained stuff. But right now, if you're unvaccinated, you're doing reasonably okay. I mean, there's always some, you know, people getting sick, period. I mean, that's just not going to go away. But the death rate of the, uh, we have to look at, uh, it'd be interesting to look at all cause mortality of the unvaccinated, if we could single those out, because you can lie about all other statistics, but you can't lie about that. And I don't know, I'll, I'll have to talk to somebody to know if we have those data somewhere. That would be a, there, there are ways we could be looking at this, but at a low level like I am, I don't have the ability to get into the data banks. Now, 
um, the the U the ONS data though shows this that that vaccinated children right now for COVID are 4,423% more likely to die of any cause and 13,633% more likely to die of a COVID-like illness. I'll just yep. say that. They yep. call it COVID. But I, I, we have to stop using that term. Because we call we are, it the flu. <laughs> yeah. What, well, even not that. What, I, hit, I think we have to back up. If we're going to get ourselves out of this, we have to have a different worldview. That if once we get out of this whole viral paradigm and we realize that we've been poisoned for centuries, probably a millennia. I mean, you know, the Black Plague. Um, I don't know all the story, but there's a, a whole bunch of stuff that uh, smallpox, I mean, that, that there were toxins involved that stimulated certain things. So I don't know uh, completely, but I'm just saying we have to get out of the idea because transmission, that's one of the things in 1918, they could never prove airborne transmission. Yeah, that that's disease. right. And they really, really tried. I mean, had they took nose goo and, and lung goo out of dying people and literally injected it into people in the days before antibiotics, and they couldn't make them sick. They had 100 out of 118 volunteers, the U.S. Public Health Service did in Boston, zero transmission. So it is really hard for me not to agree that there's another story here, that there's other things going on. So they're going after us in different ways. And I, I'm honestly, my big concern right now is I'm, I'm a, my little home farming project. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm a big gardener. I grow food. And I can tell you this year, I have never seen it like this. And I think there are no bees. There are no, I don't see butterflies. I don't see bees. And I'm in the heartland of agriculture. And, and there's a problem. I mean, I have, I have great, who can't grow zucchini? I have the most beautiful zucchini plants with flowers all over and no zucchini. That's interesting because we have, uh, we've got tons of those. They've got, they're beautiful plants. We've got tons of zucchini. I mean, we've got zucchini bread out the wazoo in here. Um, I've seen a few bees. We have a, uh, some holly but bushes are they around. Normal? Is it like normal? No, it's not like normal. I you see like one here and yeah, there. That's you, my point. Because used to when you would go out and you would go get in the car, there was a we got a big holly bush that I cut the you know all the branches out in the bottom and it's all in the top. And when you go out there to get in the car, you'd hear this humming, and that's all the bees that would be in. You don't hear that anymore. So you're right. You're not seeing that. Um, you you are seeing some problems with with some things that are being produced and such. But it's it's a it, it is it is sort of getting a little more concerning in seeing this. But yeah. when you say the spiritual aspect, see, I see that as related to the things that we have now because Kate has brought this up many times, is the Creator gave us certain things. He told His people, He said, do this. And when He laid it out, He says, eat these things, don't eat these things. Eat these things, don't eat these things. And even you know, when they're talking about eating bugs and stuff, He says, there are certain bugs you can have, and certain ones you don't. You don't, you don't eat them. Fish are that way. Meats were that they're way. Gonna give us the ones, they're going to give us the ones we're not supposed to eat. Yeah, the ones we're not supposed to eat. That's right. <laughs> so, so he says that, and then and at the end he says, I set before you today life and death. Choose life. And so when you're talking about the recharging of the batteries, part of that is the fuel that we have. Part of that is being outside. Some people have talked about going out barefoot. You know, that was something we used to do as kids, and then we were taught, oh, you've got to have your shoes on every time you go outside. Um, but you're, you're out there to ground yourself. Right. Um, and... All of this kind of stuff, all of these things that we that were good for us, they're they're wanting us off limits to, or they're wanting to teach us not to do that. Same thing happens with the foods. You were talking about it isn't in the food supply, but in a way it is. 
we, we look at all the toxins and everything else and preservatives oh, and all this stuff they're throwing in. So all of that just weakens our body so that when we come in contact with these other things, be they a shot, be they the, you know, the electromagnetic system messing up and doing whatever it's doing, all of that just makes us weaker for something that doesn't take as much strength to kill us. That's the way right. it seems to me. Right. We're, we're being softened up for the hard kill. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I mean, just little things, but they all add up together. You know, besides the fluoridation of the water that everybody's aware of, how many people realize that, I mean, one of the reasons to go gluten-free, it's not just because wheat is bad, the, the modern-day wheat, which is a hybridized thing, um, but it's because it's stabilized with bromine. Now, before World War II, wheat was straight, stabilized with iodine, which we all need. But this is like, okay, we're just going to put a little poison in here to stabilize the wheat to damage you. I mean, why would you do that? Now, you, we're, we're talking about food science that's a very sophisticated food science. You know darn well that they know the damage that bromine will do. In fact, they've taken drugs off the market like bromo seltzer and stuff because, uh, what was it called? Brom there, there's a name for the disease when you get too much bromine. And it, because it damages your thyroid, it damages a lot of, uh, you know, key things. And you can't, it makes you, you can't, you can't absorb the iodine as well. And um, it's a toxic halide, and, I, and it's, it's unbelievable that we're doing that. And there, there's so many examples. The glyphosate, they, they say, oh, the glyphosate doesn't hurt adult uh, uh, human metabolism. Well, no, but when you eat wheat that has a lot of glyphosate in it, and, and you're getting glyphosate in smaller amounts with other foods, you know, glyph glyphosate, um, which is Roundup, it, it, it takes the place of glycine in your uh, DNA. In other words, if you're, if you're having cells that are reproducing at the time you have this ingestion, you're going to get some glycine replaced by this artificial junk. Um, and it also damages your gut flora. Your gut flora is key to your health. You, you know, we were meant to be in commensal bliss with all these good bacteria in our bowel, and we're eating all these toxic things that's killing them. So you can't see this as an accident because it's the, I don't think food scientists are dumb. But they're told to do certain things, and they're, it's all, and that's one of the, the way, I can tell you, my big, this looks like I'm wearing my, my January 6th shirt, says I'm pissed off, and where were you, and that kind of thing. Well, anyway, <laughs> I am getting a little pissed off, because I got to say, you know, when we, when we look at Nazi Germany, and when we look at, at the, the Bolsheviks, and the bad things that happened in countries, some people get sucked in that are innocently they're stuck. They can't get out. You know, when they start actually murdering your family if you don't do things, I get it. Okay, but we're not there yet. So stop working for Pfizer. Okay, stop flying planes that are that are putting out chemicals. Um, I'm sorry. I know you're an Air Force pilot, but at some point, they're your children too that are getting murdered, and that's where it's going to have to go. People have to quit working for these psychopaths that are killing us. I, I, you know, and I may sound a little off the off the charts here but it's just and doctors need to stop killing people in the hospital yeah. either by omission or commission I don't think most of them are doing it by commission but you know I just had um, a friend whose father was diagnosed with cancer and who they could you know they were told oh he's 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 in hospice he's not there's nothing we can do for him just take him home and let him die and he was really really he had agonal she's a doctor so she knows he had agonal respirations he was not 
aware or awake or anything. But they just had to have, they happen to have some ivermectin. And you know, you've heard the stories about ivermectin and cancer. You look at the Google, anybody can look this up. They're all these anti-parasitic drugs tend to work for cancer, it turns out. Fenbendazole, Mabendazole, you name it. So uh, what is cancer really? This is what we have to ask. That's a, that's a question people should be asking. Well, you know, I, speaking of that, I just had my interview with G. Edward Griffin on that very subject, on his book, uh, World Without Cancer. And he right. says, he says there is no such thing as really cancer. We use that to talk about it's a trophoblast. That was the term he used. And he said, it's just the body healing itself, but it's out of control. And he says the way you bring it back in control is through nutrition. And, of course, he pushes what what has not, I guess, officially been put at as B17. But eating a lot of the things that we read about in Genesis chapter 1, the seeds of the, of the, of the fruits and such are going to be for meat for you. And he talked about how that how that worked out. So, you know, it's interesting to me, right in front of us, and people say the Bible's outdated, it's an ancient text, it's not good for... I mean, he, God gives us right in the text the things that we need for our bodies to function properly. And what do we do? Well, we're Mr. and Mrs. Hardhead, and we say, no, nah, we'll figure it out our way. I'd rather have the Doritos and the, you know, yeah. whatever else we're going to have, and we'll do it our way. And... Again, he he sets before his life and death. Now, you were making mention a minute ago. I think well, you made. Can I say something about yeah, your seed Please. thing? Because you're saying about seeds. Well, pumpkin seeds are an anti-parasite. Yes. It's something that's helped for parasites. So I'm just saying that the, the treatment for this is so they gave they gave this this dying patient some ivermectin and he got better. So they did it for three days and he continued to get better and then they ran out and then he slumped down again and then they got back on it. And he's now awake, talking, sitting up, ready to go home. Are you kidding me? See what I'm, this is what we're missing. Oh, yeah. And this is what doctors, by, by just blindly following government-approved medicine, are going along with. And it seems to me as part of a controlled takedown. They knew they couldn't come after us yep. with the just a military. It's a controlled takedown using medicine. Yeah. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, you know, I one of the things, well, that's okay. I, I interrupted so much last time I said I'm going to keep, I, I got it zipped <laughs> like this. Um, but one of the things, you know, you, you recommended me was to have Mark Grennan on. And we had him on. I think I sent you the interview. You know, Mark is He's been transferred. I think he was transferred up last yeah. week up into Miami, Miami, so I can't have any contact with him. But him and his sons, I guess, are together there in the in the federal penitentiary, so to speak, uh, awaiting a trial for preaching the gospel and using a natural compound that right. didn't kill anybody, even though they're saying we got seven bodies that are related to this. Yeah, he says, show me the bodies. Um, but they, they've actually been able to help tons of people. With the chlorine oh, dioxide, yeah. and I noticed on your site you've got a you've you've got a deal there uh, where you're putting up this right here. Yeah. You've got his book here, and um, you know I've I've gotten my own uh, sodium chloride, and I've got the uh, hydrochloric acid. Yeah, so I'm going to be I'm going to be taking uh, Humble's book, I think, which is on the third something uh, miracle you mineral a nice for the colored bottle of glass type bottle. There and you, you just go, it all day long. Yeah, well, I we yeah. do too. We put it, and of course, I add a little humic and fulvic acid. Yeah. Yeah, nice. right in there with it. Uh, same same kind of water, but but the point is that they're able to to help people to kill off pathogens and bad bacteria with that, so that their body can naturally heal. And he says, look, you can do this, but you still have to have the nutrition aspect. And that's what right. Kate's really big on is yeah. watching what you're eating, 
uh, because sometimes she'll tell me, yeah, I went out there and I had some chips and I shouldn't have had that and I felt like terrible, but they were really good while I was eating them. So even she recognizes, you know, some of those things happen, but she sees how it affects them. She, she actually cheats on food? Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> no, I know. We all do that sometimes. Yeah, and, sure. And I will tell you, I mean, it was very obvious. Um, when when uh, we were all kind of sitting home waiting to see what the government was going to do to us about this lockdown, uh, you know, I couldn't stop my husband from going down and getting chips. And it was like that was his thing. And so then I ate them and I started having joint pain and swelling. Hmm. It, it's, we we don't normally eat like that. So I'm going to tell you when you uh, when you really clean up your diet, you feel better. And it's it's the one thing right now everybody can do to fight back against the, the, the psychopaths trying to kill us because um, they know how to do it. And that's my point is that they have occult knowledge. They know what's going on. They've passed it down. It's time that we had knowledge, you know, for lack of knowledge. Uh, you know, that's the we have to we have to have the knowledge to counteract it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Two things real quickly. You were talking about the bloodlines, how these men have tried to keep these bloodlines they call it pure so to speak it's really not yeah. that pure uh but you know it, it seems to coincide spiritually with what we read in scripture we go to somewhere like matthew chapter one and we see the lineage here of christ which nobody can make the claim that they're the christ anymore all of this stuff was destroyed in the temple in 70 a.d that's where all of these lines were were uh were 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 kept up at and we read in verse 16 and jacob begat joseph and the husband of mary of whom was born jesus who was called christ when we go over to luke chapter 3 we see the other side of that we see the descendants here uh jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age being as was supposed the son of joseph which was the son of heli and it goes down through a through a long list going back in that order and nobody else can claim that but it seems to me dr merritt they're trying to put up these people who fall into a certain bloodline as though they're looking for their own christ to come and in the midst of that like what you said they have this hidden knowledge that they're they're deceiving the people and and you you made mention how are these how are these doctors and nurses still not waking up to what's going on one either they know and they don't care or two i want to ask you do you think because most of them are in big bigger cities that's usually where the hospitals operate yeah. are the how's the fluoride and other things affecting them their mental faculties do you see that as a possibility as to why they can't see some of this stuff well yeah i think it's a combination of a lot of things i mean obviously just like just like my question is how could there no be, be viruses how what are the virologists studying well, it turns out there's a bunch of senior, there's a bunch of virologists that have been murdered over the years because they've been speaking out against this. So at the very top of the pyramid of the world is run by hierarchy and compartmentalization. So you've got, you know, that's why big secrets can be kept. By the way, is just like in Enron, nobody thought, or what's the the guy that scammed everybody from uh, Florida? What was his name? Um, anyway, you know his company. Not everybody in the company realized that they were they were stealing money from little old ladies. They wouldn't have participated, presumably, but they didn't know because it was compartmentalized. And a few people at the top know the truth, and I think that's true in medicine too. The few people at the top really do know the truth, and below them there are a bigger group of people who are simply being bought. They're not necessarily of the bloodline, but they're being bought or they are partially from the bloodline. You know, the, 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 the bloodline thing, the way it runs through this is 
that the few people at the very top of the world, I believe, are like the purebreds. They're the they're the very very closely. They're the people, and you can pick those people out. That they're the the groups of people that purposely. Uh, intermarry in their tribe. They don't marry outside their small circle of people. Whether you're talking about the big banking houses of Europe or the royal families, I mean, you know, that whole thing with Diana, how she had to be tested and probed and prodded to, to see if she was. The I right was just watching something on the royals and, and yeah, that whole thing. They there. do that, and we always think I thought it was just kind of quaint and cute, but it's not. It's about this this special genetics, and now we know a little bit more about the genetics because. What they did is, over the last 30 years, in preparation for this, they scavenged the, the DNA around the world. And they, got, they figured out where their people were and what there was difference about them. And now they know. And there's certain things, like this K26R genetics that helps protect you from the spike protein. Interesting, right? Well, yeah, so people that brought us this are all K26R genetics. That's not the only thing they have, but at the very top of the pyramid, they're very tightly controlled. And then you have people that are have of the lesser blood, you know, and they, they're, kind of, they're kind of sent out and put into positions. They're controlled and put into positions. I mean, look at, look at for example, um, I mean, there's Justin Castro is probably the most obvious one, but th these people that are almost literally bred for their positions. Yes. Um, William Jefferson Clinton is my favorite. You know, he, <laughs> his father wasn't a Clinton. His father, now it's come out, was Winifred Rockefeller, the gov former governor of Arkansas. Okay? And there's, there's so many people like that that they they're, they're tend to be... I'll tell you, they're not all men, but the majority are good-looking young men who kind of, they pop up like Buddha from the Lotus without really a lot of people, like look at Clinton, when he came, I remember when he came into the race to be president, you said, who? I mean, it wasn't like anybody we'd heard same of. Same thing with Obama? And the same thing, and Obama for the same reason. They all have uh, untraditional, questionable father lineage, Right. Uh, many of them are gender fluid. I'll just say it that way. They they're very good speakers. They're like actors, but they they get put into positions and doors are open for them. Money's thrown in front of them. For example, Obama. I mean, how did he get paid to Occidental College, very expensive private college in California? How did he end up in uh, in Harvard on the as the president of the Law Review, having never written anything for the Harvard Law Review? That's somebody who's having strings pulled. They're putting favors out. This guy got pushed forward, and he went from literally nobody to the president of the United States practically overnight. So you see that all over. And on lesser, there are lesser lights that are also out there speaking and doing things. They're family members. They're of the blood. They turn out, you know, let's face it. I mean, if you're following this, I remember, by the way, when I was a young kid, it was not too long after World War II, and the guys would sit around my dad's dining room table talking about World War II and all that stuff. And one of the things that they would, one of the things way back that, that used to drive Hitler apparently crazy was being called Schickelgruber because Schickelgruber was his real mother's name. His mother Schickelgruber was a maid in, an, in, a, in a Vienna Austrian household of one of the big Rothschilds who was a known philanderer. She gets pregnant. You see where this goes? Yep. So he's actually a Rothschild. Okay, through his mother's lineage, which you know, it's it's real, or through the father's lineage, but but they and then they always and and like like 
Winifred Rockefeller, they, they support that child to see where he goes, and they see how he goes, and once he, he looks like he's promising, he's, he meets, meets their criteria, then they start throwing money and positions and things open. Now, I think that's the way the world works. So yeah, right. so they control them, they control them they kind control of them. without yeah. having to be heavy-handed in it. Right, right. These are these are you know. It's kind of like it's it's nepotism of a global order. <laughs> yeah, this that's exactly what it is. Oh, look at the picture. I don't know. Have you seen the picture of Zelensky that they do they do uh, uh, Soros and Zelensky next to each other, and they age regress Soros and he becomes Zelensky, and they age progress I can see Zelensky that. and he becomes Soros. It's they're identical. I mean, uh, it's like if he's not his son, I will eat my hat. You know. <laughs> so um, yeah. So these people are all related. Yeah. And they're of the blood. And I, and I think that we have to recognize, we, it's not just the Dominion servers last week that started this mess or last year. We have been, in, in the big scheme of things, our leaders have been chosen for us forever. And if you read John Coleman's book, the, the, uh, who, and he was an intelligence agent, so he had opportunity to get into the files and see things that we couldn't see before he wrote this book. It's a, everyone should read this book. But one of the things that happened to him, him personally, he was, I think, in England somewhere, and uh, he may have been in France and crossed the channel, but I think he was in England. And, and some of his intelligence buddies said, hey, don't you want to, hey, if you want to know who the next president of the United States is, hey, go over to that hotel because uh, they're choosing him over there. And he said, what? No, no, go over there. You'll find out. It's the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Most of us have never heard of that. We hear about the Council on Foreign Relations, but the real, it's like the real bad guys, the real bioweaponeers, the real guys. You shouldn't be hearing about Fauci. You should be hearing about the real guys that gave us this stuff. And same thing in the politics. The real bad guys are the people that you never hear their names. You notice when they list the, the list of billionaires, the richest people in the world, it stops at Elon Musk. They never mention the royal families. They never mention the Rothschilds. You know they're a hit. You know they're, they're more than that. So there are the people in the background who never get mentioned. Anyway, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, and they are choosing our next president. He goes over there and he finds out it's Jimmy Carter. Wow. This is when nobody knew about Jimmy Carter. This is way before the, yeah. I, I think this has been going on for so long, and we are now, it really is, the apocalypse is the unveiling, and I think this is becoming unveiled. I think people, and I don't know, you know, maybe this is just God's plan and it doesn't involve this, but it seems to me like maybe these 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 guys in charge, whoever and whatever they are, um, I kind of think they they jumped the shark. They gave us internet, you know. They give us these technologies, kind of dribble them out at us, and they gave us this internet. And they didn't expect they expected to use it to control us, but it turns out we've been able to do things like your program, and it's gotten these words out, and people yeah. start talking. And even if you know, like people listening to me, if every you don't have to you don't have to believe everything I'm saying, but it gets people to go out and look. And the world is separated into two groups of people now. The people that passively get their information and the people that actively seek the truth. And if you start actively seeking, you're going to find a lot of stuff that you won't find if you just wait for somebody to tell you. Yeah, after your head explodes, right? Right, after <laughs> your head explodes. All this stuff. I get it, right. I get it. Well, listen, we, we started off and, and we kind of went down a rabbit trail there at the end, but... We we started off talking about these twin scams, nineteen eighty eighteen and twenty twenty. Can you get can you, you want to close us out in sort of a synopsis of this and give us maybe your views of where you see this going and maybe a possible solution for people to start engaging in because I do think we can fight back against it. The problem is, do we got the will to do it? Because 
a lot of people see what's going on. They see the problem, and all they can do is get mad about it and send some meme out on you know social media or something. But I, I've been one that says we've got to start acting in our in our local communities in our in our counties. That's how you're gonna that's how you're gonna save your country if you if you want is by doing what you can do in your sphere of influence, not by trying to go out there and take DC. You want to you want to try to take a stab at that? Well, yeah. So so if you look at 2020 and you look at 1918, I think it was done the same way by the same people, essentially, you know, generations down. Uh, you know, the same kind of psyop, the same news control, the same, uh, you know, three things, a bad drug, the vaccines and, and electromagnetic frequencies. So this is a long-term plan by bad people, and you're not going to solve this completely by, you know, just you know, asking your doctor for ivermectin. That's not the way it's going to work. You're going to have to, like you say, you're going to have to fight. And I think too many people think that, oh, it's just medical error or it's greed. Do not think this is greed. Do not think this is all the pharmaceutical companies, you know, the blah, blah, blah. It's beyond that. They don't care if those pharmaceutical companies come and go. They're going to look at the people fleeing them. They're going to go down. So the, we have to, I, I think that the answer here is you're right we we have to we have to protect ourselves locally which starts at your county sheriff you have to you have to you have to take back our food supply and that involves stopping them from polluting our skies and our water i mean we really have to seriously uh, not let our cities fluoridate us to death and and i have a problem even in my little town getting them to stop that but that's where we got to go. We got to take back your take back everything we can locally, and um, and once and and realize do not do not contribute to murdering the children. Do not work for these people. And if you're in a hospital where they're murdering people and you see it happen, you can't just stay there. You can't you can't be part of it. We're going to have to and and when things the medical system's going to crash down, but but we're going to rebuild it better. And that's what we have to do. And um, but realize that this is not just a, this did not start in our lifetime. It started way before. So, but we are the people that have been chosen to fix it and to stop this. I think that's true. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Dr. Merritt, thank you as always. If you'll hang on, I'll say goodbye to you off air. Guys, catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. Don't forget, check out Dr. Merritt's website at themedicalrebel.com, themedicalrebel.com. And Dr. Merritt, you've got a you've got an article, something to do about 1918, right? Can they find that here under articles? Well, that's under my, my pay for Substack kind okay. of thing. It's my own private Substack because I was demonetized. But right. you can read the first one for free on there. And that's the great DNA War gene drive. That's okay. worthwhile reading. You'll get, you'll get hooked when you read that. Okay. All right. Well, check that out at themedicalrebel.com. And then, Lord willing, we'll be back with you in the morning at 6 a.m. bright and early. Till then, see you.